my recipe for life, and it, there's three ingredients I think everyone should apply to everything they do, whatever they want to do, and that's resilience, level-headedness, and madness. You've got to apply all three, and you can choose what combination or, or how much of each you want to put in. It's certainly important to have a little bit of both. Welcome to the Hard as Nails podcast, which is brought to you by Outsider.ie, Islands Adventure Magazine. My name is Kevin Ander. Thank you for joining us for our eighth episode. Now, prepare yourself to be astounded by the guest that we have the pleasure of chatting with in this episode. He's the first person ever to cycle, swim and run the length of Great Britain as individual efforts and then completed the longest ever triathlon non-stop around the coastline of Britain. He also recently uh, broke the world record for the fastest crossing of Europe by bicycle. He's also an author, a motivational speaker, and Britain's favorite lunatic. It's Sean Conway. Sean, uh, thank you so much uh, yeah, for, for joining us on the Hardest Nails podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. That's quite an intro there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean, when I say you're Britain's favorite lunatic, I obviously mean it uh, in the most respectful way possible because, I mean, the, some of the ventures you've been on are absolutely insane. But before you became this uh, crazy endurance athlete, tell us what it was like for you growing up and what led you uh, to become the type of person you are today. Well, it was a very long kind of winded way. I actually only got into sport and adventure when I turned 30. Mm -hmm. So before that, I used to be a school portrait photographer, mainly. (laughs) So remember school photo day, we all had to go and stand in front of that background and, you know, that's what I did for nearly 10 years, pretty much, just photographing people against a, a white background. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, just what didn't inspire me at all, you know. I, I, the, the worst part about it is I always thought photography was going to be my passport to traveling the world, you know, and, mm. and I just messed it up. So, <laughs> uh, turn 30, was pretty miserable, um, and decided, right, I just need to go and travel. But I didn't have actually any money to go traveling because uh, mm-hmm. I sold my business for one pound oh, wow. <laughs> uh, when I was 30. And um thought, well, well, how, you know, I was trying to think outside the box. I thought, right, what can I, what can I do to sort of help me, you know, go traveling? What can it, I mean, I could, I could go and get another job, but actually I didn't go to university. I don't have A-levels or anything. Mm-hmm. So that was difficult. So I, I kind of came up with this long-winded really off the wall idea considering I wasn't very good at sport that maybe if I try try to break a world record mm-hmm. that was something travel related <laughs> maybe <laughs> I'd get sponsorship and, and all this sort of thing that I'd seen the the, the people who climb Everest and row the Atlantics and mm. you know various things like that mm. uh, you know that's what they do and that was literally my thought process so in in the space of about eight months I came up with the idea of, of cycling around the world to try and break that world record. Mm-hmm. Worked really hard, managed to get some funding from a company to, to pay for my flights and accommodation and various things. And uh, and then that sort of set me off on this new new sort of way of life, I guess. Amazing. And as you mentioned there, uh, Sean, you turned 30 and you decided that uh, the rat race, 9 to 5, it wasn't working for you. Was there, though, a specific moment uh, that uh, you had this uh, revelation or this epiphany that what you were doing uh, was not what you wanted to do and it pushed you over the edge? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was probably my 30th birthday. I, okay. I remember 
Because I remember as a kid, I, I got into photography really young, sort of when I was 14, 15 years mm-hmm. old at school. I used to go and photograph, you know, all the kids on the rugby field and the cricket field and, you know, send the, the prints off to the pharmacy and then get, get them all back and then mm-hmm. run around the playground at lunchtime and try and sell the pictures to the kids for 50p, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so I did love it. And uh, I remember always thinking, oh, by the time I was 30, I, you know, I, I envisaged myself as a photographer being in the jungle, trying to find these amazing tribes, photographing, mm. you know, the you know the jaguars or whatever. You know, I just really thought that was the case. And I remember sort of on my 30th birthday that week, I, I was sort of, I wasn't in the jungles. I was far from it. I was actually stuck on the M1 in traffic, mm. just about to go and photograph a nursery school mm. Uh, of a hundred kids who were just going to cry and whinge and get snot all over myself and <laughs> pee on my background and <laughs> just, yeah, so you know, I remember thinking, well, you know, I'm not in the jungle. Mm. I am, uh, I'm stuck in in <laughs> on the motorway, just about to photograph a hundred kids. Wow, um, and that just really was, yeah, it was it was tough. It was it was it was not where I wanted to be, and mm. and it was my own fault. I didn't actually try. To, to go off and do these amazing jobs around the world. That, yeah. that was the biggest part. I didn't push my bar high enough. I didn't really challenge myself. Um, I just kind of got, got caught up in the rat race, as yeah. you say. Well, that's all in the past now, Sean, because many people, they will know you now as the person who cycled, swam, and ran the length of Great Britain, as I mentioned. Now, now for some of our listeners who may not be aware of the full details of that story, when did you complete each of these individual challenges and which one was the toughest one for you to get through? Jeez, I mean, they all get tougher and that's kind of on purpose, if you know what I mean. Mm. <laughs> you know, there's no point in doing an easier one beforehand. Yeah. So the first one, you know, as I said, in 2011, when I was a bit miserable, I, that's when I sold my business and came up with the round the world cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so 2012 was when I went round the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished that uh, in 2012, just for the, the London Olympics. And although I felt as if I had a, obviously had a wonderful adventure, that I, the record didn't go to plan. I got run over in America, oh, fractured no. my back, wow. got whiplash, concussion, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so I was a bit depressed, actually, because I'd worked so hard on trying to break that record. I was ahead of the record at the time, mm-hmm. and it just got taken away from me. But I thought, well, you know, at least I got to travel. No, you know, it's it's amazing to have that, had the opportunity to cycle around the world. Mm. You know, I thought, well, well, let me just get back into, you know, real life, I guess, like everyone said I should. <laughs> uh, so I, I spent a year trying to get work in the, in the cycling industry, uh, charity industry. Um, I mean, I even applied for a few photography jobs, but I really didn't want them. I'd fallen out of love with it. After about a year of sort of living with my mother in a one-bedroom flat at the age of 32, mm. I eventually thought, well, maybe I should just go off and do another challenge because, mm. you know, first it kind of gave my confidence back. It gave me a reason to get out of bed in the morning, mm. you know, the planning, the logistics, the training. And actually, I enjoyed the process. I enjoyed raising money for charity. I enjoyed inspiring kids to get outside. And I enjoyed the whole lifestyle around it. I just didn't realize 
it could be long term back then, you know. Mm. And also, I was just bored of living with my mother. If I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I think it was even more so. so I think she was bored of, of me living yeah. with her. <laughs> um, so that's when I thought of swimming the length of Britain, really thinking it had been done mm. before, considering bigger swims had been done in the world. And then when I did my research, soon realised that no one had even attempted a length of Britain swim. Except for a chap, there's a chap who put a swimming pool on the back of a pickup truck mm-hmm. and did lengths as they drove it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, 2013, I, I went off and attempted that swim, uh-huh. and and that worked out. You know, that that worked out for me, and um, and it was kind of when I was doing that, I came sort of stumbled across the idea of of trying to get the three Fs in endurance, mm-hmm. a world's first a world's furthest and a world's fastest. Mm-hmm. And I thought if I can get a world record in you know each of those categories as three separate events because some of them you can get you know for example when I swam Britain technically it was the world's fastest as well but uh, yeah. you know I wanted to, them to be three separate ones. So you know the, the cycling around the world was a failed world's fastest so I you know I went for the swim finished the swim mm-hmm. and that's the one that really gave me the confidence in life again it, it got me my, my my mojo back i sort of found a new reason to get out of bed every day and mm. and i enjoyed you know straight after that i was you know working with the scouts working with loads of schools you know so I was, i'm back in schools now again but for a very different reason yeah. which is kind of nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um and I, I also ticked the first of the three f's the world's uh a world's first yeah um after that, I ran the length of Britain just to, to finish the triathlon and also to try a new discipline. I wasn't very good at running. Mm. Uh, I, I'm still not, to be honest, but I, I do enjoy the simplicity of running. Mm-hmm. Um, took me a couple of attempts to finish that. I failed the first attempt. Oh, and wow. uh, and when, I, when I got back from that uh, is when I decided to do a world's furthest mm. um, in the form of the world's longest triathlon. <laughs> so... Yeah, did that took me 85 days, yeah. ooh, 4,200 miles or whatever it was Jeez. in the end. So, and, and once I ticked that one, then it was mm. now, right, now I need a world fastest because yeah. I failed <laughs> once before. Uh, and oh, it took me another three years because mm. I failed, failed three times. Well, no, two other times. Mm. I tried to get Route 66 world records. I got injured on that one. Tried to pull off around Australia cycling world records for the fastest. Um, and then tragically, a, a friend of mine, uh, the guy I raced around the world, Mike Hall, sadly got killed in Australia oh, wow. uh, last year while I was planning. Hmm. Um, and he was doing a bike race there. And it, it, it just knocked the wind out of my sails a mm. little bit to do something in Australia. And so I kind of hung up the towel on that one. Then it went for this Europe record last year and failed mm. that one as well. <laughs> I remember, you know, getting to the end of 2017 at the age of 36 thinking, well, maybe a fastest isn't for me, you know, because mm. your your speed records do get a little bit harder as you get older. Yeah. I, I'm far from too old, you know, for the long stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I hadn't done a speed record for a while, so I didn't have the speed legs, if you know what I mean. Mm. So I was kind of a bit depressed that maybe I, I wasn't able to, to do the whole world's fastest. And then sort of January came around and it was winter and I was miserable. And I was like, you know what, I just need to plan for something. Otherwise, I'm just going to stay here in my own 
misery. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I decided to have another crack at, at the Europe record, which I, I just did this year. Yeah, brilliant. We'll touch more on that a bit later, Sean. But I'd like to go back to when you swam from Land's End to, to John O'Groats. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that experience, because how did you cope with that mentally? Were there any moments during that where your mind played tricks on you? Because... Uh, I mean, you were in the water for 90 days and it took you 135 days in total to complete it. Yo, yeah. I mean, any other time in my life, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have completed that swim. And, and even now, I, I dare I say it, um, because it was, I was so hungry for it back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so hungry to prove to myself I was able to achieve these things. Uh, I, I was hungry to prove to the world that it, the swim was possible because many people said it was impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just, you know, every day, even though I was so miserable and cold and grumpy, I was just, I had to finish that, you mm-hmm. know, just to prove to myself and to everyone else. Um, and that's, you know, certainly one of the most important motivating factors when you want to do these things. You've mm-hmm. got to be hungry. You've got to really, really want it because if you don't really want it, all you're doing is you're opening that door for for, for quitting, and yeah. once that door's slightly open, you know you'll you'll find so many reasons to to go through the door, and and not once I have to say that then did I even consider the option of quitting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought about it every day, of course. I thought, oh gosh, it would just be, <laughs> you know, I just want this all to be over mm-hmm. right now, you know. <laughs> um, but the, the the actual practicalities of quitting often actually in themselves become far more stressful than, than, than quitting, yeah. uh, than, than carrying on even, because, you know, you're out at sea, you, your support boat is, you know, millions, millions of meters from where you started, and you know, you'd have to get the boat back to the start, you'd have to tell all your, your, the people who've supported you that you've given up, mm. and you'd go home, and then you'd be sat at home miserable <laughs> for the next few months, yeah. whereas actually... If you just carried on, you'd still be miserable, but actually it's probably less misery than, than having to deal with all the sympathy and, and failure when you get home. Mm. <laughs> There's things that happened that I swear were real, but mm-hmm. they may have been hallucinations. Like, there was this one time, uh-huh. I, I swear I was swimming, and below me was a bird swimming with me, and it looked at me and it winked. <laughs> And then it swam up to the surface and flew away. Um, <laughs> and everyone says, no, you totally dreamt that. But I, you do get birds that sort of dive into the water yeah. and swim along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I have two very different personalities on these, on these adventures. Mm. Um, and they, the tiredness and fatigue and it tends to bring out, bring out them to, you know, at, at different stages. And mm-hmm. I have... One side of my brain is is very eccentric, very crazy, very mad, and 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 the type that actually on this Europe ride mm-hmm. decides to pick up a bit of roadkill in the form of a dog and tie it to <laughs> no. it, to my handlebars, <laughs> call it Pedro, and carry it across Europe. Um, so I have that side of my brain, mm-hmm. and then my other character is very practical, yeah, and and overly practical, too practical actually, and and it's probably a good thing that I have that because. Um, you know, it, it balances out the crazy mm. side of me, um, which is also you need. You know, you need that bit of madness. And, and in fact, my recipe for life, and it, there's three ingredients I think everyone should apply to everything they do, whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's resilience, level-headedness, 
and madness. Mm. You've got to apply all three. And you can choose what combination or, or how much of each you want to put in. Mm. <laughs> um, but it's, it's certainly important to have a little bit of both. You know, when I am miserable, mm-hmm. you know, I, firstly, I have a conversation with Pedro. Um, <laughs> and then secondly, I think of five elements. There's always five elements um, th- that I try and look, look after. And that's food, water, sleep, muscle ma- management and motivation or mm. mindset. Mm. Um, and generally, if I am feeling miserable... As long as I look after the first four, food, water, sleep, and muscle management, mm. often my mindset is quite good and my motivation is high. Um, so, yeah, you've you got to look at the little things. You've got to look at mm. every angle and just make sure you're doing your very best to keep yourself on top of things. Mm. Um, so, and also, when you're ahead of the record, again, that also helps a lot, yeah. you know, which, which I've never been until this Europe ride. I've always been behind schedule. Except obviously before my accident in America when I went around the world, mm. there are, I was ahead of schedule. Um, but then after I got run over, I was behind schedule yeah. and my swim took me two months longer than I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> um, my triathlon took me maybe a week longer than I thought it would. So mm. I've constantly been behind schedule, which again, really is difficult to yeah. feel when you have these personal goals and they, mm. they kind of, you land a bit behind. But um yeah, at least on the Europe one, I, I stayed ahead. Just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean, you're busy speaking about swimming, running, uh, cycling, the three disciplines. Which one do you enjoy the most that you feel that uh, you are better at? Because from what I know, you, you're not really a specialist at any one of them. No, I'm, I'm distinctly average. I mean, maybe a little bit above average, I guess, <laughs> at, at all three. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, they all have their place. So swimming, I probably hate the most while I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. But it's the the one I get the most reward for at the end. You know, a few months later when I finished the big swim, I always think, wow, actually, that's the one I feel the most proud of. Mm-hmm. Running, I always get injured. Um, so I, I, I struggle to balance my body and mind mm-hmm. with running, but I find running the most um, convenient to do. So mm-hmm. I, I'll actually choose probably to go for a run as a, as a form of exercise than anything else, mm-hmm. even though I'm probably the worst at it uh, compared to you know my peers, I guess. Mm. Uh, in the running world, I, I wouldn't compete very well. You know, I'd probably only just manage a three and a half hour marathon. I could maybe do a three hour if I really, really train super hard. But I'm not naturally good at running. Mm. Um, but I do, as I say, it, it's so easy just to have a pair of trainers in your car and or in your bag when you're traveling a lot. So that's mm. cool. Cycling, I enjoy the most while I'm doing it. Mm. And I think it's the one I could be very competitive at mm-hmm. within my field, which is the ultra endurance stuff, you know. Mm. Um, and I, 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 yeah, I, I do really, really enjoy going out for a ride. Mm. Um, but it, it does, for me nowadays, take a little bit more planning with family time and things to, to go out for a proper ride, you know. Mm. Um, so... And also, I've done so much cycling recently, I'm kind of like, I don't want to look at a bicycle for a while. <laughs> well, I still want to talk about cycling, though, Sean, as much as you don't want to get onto a bicycle anytime soon again. Going back to 2012, uh, your, your your cycle attempt around the world and the unfortunate accident, as you've been mentioning. When you look back now at that moment, what do you take away from the whole experience that is still sticking with you to this day, six years later? Oh, I mean... The whole experience of cycling around the world just changed my life. You know, the mm-hmm. whole, it, when I was growing up, people who cycled around the world, in my mind, were like astronauts. You know, they were <laughs> in the same level yeah. of people. It was just 
what other people did. You know, it was a certain corner of society back then, certainly, who did these sort of things. Um, so it, I just put it out of my mind as something that, well, I'll never be able to do that, so I might as well not even bother. Mm. Um, and I was very wrong, and, and actually going off and doing that uh, and achieving it and, and training and, and working on the whole project and, and that sort of thing changed my life. And I, I'm certainly going to try and push, you know, for my, my kids and grandkids in the future to, to go off and do a big cycling adventure mm. on their own. You know, I, I, maybe they don't have to go around the world. You don't have to do that. You can, even if it's just a month or two months, you know, when mm. I cycled the length of Britain, it took me a month, uh, took mm-hmm. a month off for it. And again, that was just a, an amazing experience. And traveling by bicycle, really is, is, as I say, the most, one of the most enjoyable forms of transport, mm. human-powered transport, definitely. Mm. And um, and then when I got run over, you know, that, that was difficult because it, it took everything away from me and it took the record away from me and it, I really lost my confidence. Mm-hmm. And, and I nearly didn't carry on cycling around the world, you know, after the accident. But then I thought, you know what, I'm raising money for charity. I'm trying to support some, a, a school who had made me a little Olympic torch to take around the world. And mm-hmm. I just thought, well, no one really gets the opportunity. Very few, if any, get to cycle around the world twice. In mm-hmm. fact, I only know of one person who's done that, Mark Beaumont. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I thought, right, well, I've got to carry on. So I did. And, and I'm so glad I did. I think I carried on and gave, gave me confidence mm-hmm. to, um, to, to actually have another go at another adventure I think had I given up, I would have got home and been even more miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then without having anything to give me the confidence to go off and achieve something else, you know, whatever it is, it mm. doesn't have to be all physical, you know, the, those sort of adventures and, and anything. And I'm a big, big believer in having physical goals in your life, whatever it is, whether mm. you, you know, trying to run a 10K or a half marathon or a marathon or whatever, having that physical goal and achieving it and mm-hmm. training for it um, really ripples out in all other aspects of your life. And, yeah. uh, and it certainly did. So, yeah, uh, it just taught me personally. I know everyone says it, and it sounds like a bit of a cliche, but we are, we all can do a lot more than we mm-hmm. think we can. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to have the hunger, you've got to want it, um, and you've got to put in the effort. Yeah. Um, but it's so rewarding when, when you do achieve it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, getting run over, you would say it's uh, one of the hiccups in your life, uh, Sean. And uh, you, on your website, uh, you've dedicated a whole page uh, to these hiccups, the moments when the, <laughs> the challenge got the better of, of you, f- for whatever the reason may be. Why is it important for you to mention these hiccups as they were and remind yourself and others of them? Firstly, uh, I remember doing a talk at a school and, and they were the old, older kids, so they were sort of 17 years old. And I remember one of them, and their, their parents were there as well. The family came up to me afterwards. Mm-hmm. And both the parents were like, wow, I mean, you're amazing. But, you know, we, we don't really relate to you because it seems everything you do, um, you just succeed at. So you must be kind of superhuman. Um, and, and this was when I had my old website. And mm-hmm. um, I remember thinking, wow, geez, no, that is not the case at all. You know, I have mm-hmm. failed many, many, many things. <laughs> Um, and all, you know, I guess all you're seeing is mm. the successes and, and that's quite common nowadays. I think with social media, people tend to, to just share the icing on the cake rather mm. than, you know, how they made it and all the cakes they messed up trying to get to that one, you know? <laughs> mm. Um, uh, so I thought, well, I can't have this. I can't have kids looking at me going, wow, well, that's cool. But he's like an astronaut, mm. which is exactly how I thought back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can't do that. 
because he just seems to be this kind of superhuman guy. And I'm definitely not. Mm. Uh, and I know this because I've been tested. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been in the lab and they've done all their prodding and proking and, and, and I am 100% Joe Blog. Yeah. I am middle of the range. <laughs> Honestly, I am. I have mm. nothing superhuman about me. I've, I've been in the lab. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in the same lab as Jensen Button uh-huh. and the Brownlee brothers oh, wow. and, and, and Rory McIlroy and all these amazing people mm. who actually do have unique parts of their body and mind that mm. make them good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Jensen Button's reaction skills are amazing. Yeah. I was like half a second off him, you know, oh, just wow. on a, like a <laughs> press a button test, <laughs> which is huge in Formula One, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, so I thought, well, I, I need to address this. I don't want kids thinking they can't do it. Mm. You know, but, but by looking at me, that's literally the opposite of what I want. Yeah. So uh, that's why I thought, right, it's, it's important to share mm. all the mess ups and all the, the failures because, you know, that hopefully makes people realize that actually I'm just kind of normal, yeah. you know. Um, but I, I just, I guess, want it, want it. I'm hungry for it, you know. Mm. Wow, it's a great story how uh, you've decided to, to, to put that on your website there for all of us uh, to see and realize that, as you say, you're not superhuman, That uh, but what you're doing is still very much incredible. Sean, going from the heartache, though, of all those moments to the joy, and as you, you mentioned uh, recently, you reached a, a very, very big moment uh, of uh, your adventure career that uh, you're crossing Europe by bicycles, around 4,000 miles doing that, unsupported, from Portugal to Russia. You did it in 24 days, 18 hours, and 39 minutes, which is a a record now first of all where did the idea come from that you wanted to do this challenge and and how does it rank in comparison to some of the other major challenges uh, that you've done and and that we've already spoken about yeah uh, it was very difficult for me because it's the shortest thing i've ever done Mm. so 25 days for me is is really short you know the the next shortest thing i've done is nearly double that at, at 44 days and then, you know, 85 days, then 135, then 160 nearly, mm-hmm. you know. So it was far more intense. And, and doing a world's fastest, you really are just on the edge. You know, you really can't lose a minute here and there. You know, mm-hmm. you're just stealing minutes, stealing miles, which I, I actually love, you know, the idea of it. And, and I love being in that sort of race mode where, you know, you can't let up. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a world's first and a world's furthest, you know, the only time limit I put on myself was self-imposed because mm. I, I just didn't want it to be a holiday. You know, I didn't want to do the world's longest triathlon over three years. You know, otherwise, <laughs> uh, that wouldn't have been that that challenging for me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so doing doing this third F, the world's fastest, mm. was you know just far more intense because it was so short for me, and uh, and also because I'd failed so many other previous like cycling records. Um, it's it's the one that mm. uh, yeah that means means the most over the last couple of years, yeah. and and it was nice to do something outside of Britain. If, if I'm honest, yeah. I've done a lot in Britain and I've loved I- adventuring in Britain. But also, I kind of feel I've done so much in in Britain. I, I want to save some stuff for a bit later <laughs> in life, you know, mm. <laughs> <laughs> which is, a, is is something I'm I'm genuinely kind of looking at at the moment. Yeah. Is, not doing too much too too soon because um, you know I want to have something to look forward to mm. to later in life, adventure-wise and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, and, and often, and, and I guess it's quite common nowadays. People are in a rush mm-hmm. to achieve stuff. Everyone wants everything now, now, now. Everyone wants to achieve everything now. And and actually, you know, 
I don't, I'm only 37. Mm. Um, you know, I'm only you know probably halfway in life. Really, yeah. I've got to live exactly what I've lived all over again. Mm. So you know, it'd be nice to keep some some goals yeah. back to look forward to. Um, so so yeah so yeah. The, yeah so that's kind of where I am. But yeah, the cycle mm. cycle record <coughs> yeah was was tough. Yeah. But what it has done is it's given me a bit of a hunger. For more of these cycle records, mm. I've always been inspired by the Slams End to John Groat cycling record, okay. which just got broken a couple of days ago. It's oh, wow. been held for 17 years by a guy oh. called Geffen Butler, mm-hmm. and it finally got broken. Uh, the record was 44 hours and three or four minutes. So it's got down to 43 hours mm. and 20 odd minutes, I think, uh, 25 minutes. Um, so yeah, it got it got 40 minutes got taken off the record. Mm. Um, and by all accounts, uh, the weather at the end was pretty bad. So mm. I think there is still room for that record <laughs> to be broken. I would need to really work on my speed. Yeah. Um, my speed work was down. My power was down on Europe. I, I really struggled on the hills. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just because I didn't really train enough uh, for power. So I focused on endurance because of injury. Mm which I needed to do because I notoriously get injured early on because I pushed too hard. Um, so I thought, right, let's get robust. But the sacrifice was, and I was down on power. Mm. Uh, so I'd need to, to change my training plan mm. going forward. But uh, yeah, that, I like the idea of that one. There's a length of Africa run mm-hmm. always been up for. Mm. But again, that is, that one, I think, is the one I want to save until I retire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Sean, having having chatted a bit now on each of these adventures that you've been on, which obviously range from the quick and direct challenges to the more long and draining experiences, how do you go about training for each of them? Do you follow the same sort of routine, no matter what the challenge, or or do they all require their own unique set of uh, requirements? Um, yeah, they know they're all very, very different. Mm-hmm. You know, depending, and and also depending where you are. As I get older, I. I I tend to not have to do as much of the really long stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you you keep your hard tissue for quite quite some time training. So it depends what it is. You know, you've got to get all your muscles robust. You've got to get everything just working. So you've mm-hmm. got you've got three types of or four types of training really. You've got your strength, your cardio, your endurance, and for me, injury avoidance training as well, mm. which you kind of get by doing you know, your endurance and your power. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, you've got to work on stuff. And for me, I enjoy running. Running's really good for me, even though everyone says it's, it's bad uh, as a form of sort of uh, robust training. But I find my body gets really robust if I do mm. uh, good running miles. And um, uh, so, yeah, so I, I, again, depending on what it is, if I have mm. to do a speed record like I've just done, I need I sh- needed to work more on my power. Mm-hmm. Um and that sort of thing. If I'm doing the longer stuff that is a bit slower, you need to work on your fat burning um, and be you know, more efficient that way. Just yeah. make sure your legs are uh, all arms or whatever you're doing. Just work. Um, and your style technique is also really important. Mm-hmm. Although I do find your body's quite good at getting your style better. So if you just do more miles, mm. um, your body will, will get quite good unless you have a real biomechanical issue which mm. luckily I, I don't really um, I have a little bit of an issue with my right hand side and that's just through sleeping badly for mm. 37 years and carrying my shopping in my one hand for, for all the time you know mm-hmm. 
the way you get out of bed, the way you stand up from a sofa, all these sort of things can change slightly. Yeah. So my right leg and hip, I've always got some issue with, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, it, it fixes itself. So I put in the hours, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, as I say, it all just depends on, on it. But if you are struggling for training, nothing beats mileage. You yeah. know, if you, if you put the miles in, you will naturally get better, quicker, and faster. Yeah. It, it might do, it might not be the most efficient way to get stronger, and you may be doing a lot of hours that you didn't need to. Mm-hmm. But if, if for me, I sometimes like that. I sometimes like the fact that I'm just going to do more hours, mm. as long as they're not junk miles. You know, yeah. again, you can just go and waste an hour by not pushing yourself. So obviously, don't do that. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, certainly, I like to just go out and not overthink it. I very rarely train with a heart rate monitor or a power meter okay. or any of this. Mm. I like to just go on perception of effort, go out push myself enjoy it till i'm knackered come home have a whiskey do some stretching <laughs> uh, eat, eat, eat healthy and uh, yeah repeat that yeah brilliant well sean this next question it's a it's a simple one but uh, each person they have their own unique uh, answer to it what is the meaning of adventure to you well it's very simple actually i know it's something i sort of said years ago and, and I, I it stands true this day you know um Adventure for me isn't all about rowing oceans or climbing mountains and all that. Mm-hmm. Adventure for me is purely a way of thinking. Yeah. You know, I, I want people to, when I say everyone needs to be more adventurous, uh, which I really believe, it doesn't have to be about running up a hill or and taking a selfie or traveling around the world or rowing an ocean. You know, you can do it by traveling to work by different means or by a different way, you know, uh, whatever, by you know, when you go shopping in a in a supermarket, I, I certainly tend to go to the same type of foods that I like. Mm-hmm. But try something different. You know, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that sort of thing. And it's just the way you the way you lead your everyday life yeah. by adding a bit more adventure to it, um, uh, and a bit more challenge. You know, try something that maybe is a bit scary, like mm-hmm. you know, curries. I I'm rubbish at cooking curries, for example, because <laughs> not a big fan of spicy food. I quite like spicy food, but not not the super hot stuff. So yeah. actually trying to cook a curry for me is really adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I'm yet to get it right, mm. but I will one day yeah. um, and hopefully I'll enjoy it. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'll be, the reward will be so much better, you know, mm. when I eventually do get it right. Mm. And uh, yeah, so for me, it's just, just a way of thinking, you know, and I yeah. urge everyone to, and live more adventurously in their mind. Mm. I love that explanation, especially about the curry part there. <laughs> well, Sean, when you've been on so many expeditions, adventures, challenges, uh, you're bound to jot them down, all the memories on a piece of paper, and you've done this. But instead of just one book, you've done five, if I'm not mistaken. Why do you feel compelled to share your thoughts and experiences as words on a page? Yeah, this is, I love this question because I nearly didn't write. I nearly didn't get into writing and that the only reason I did is is my friend Dave Cornthwaite when I finished cycling around the world you know there's loads of really good around the world books out there already mm-hmm. um, and and my thought process at the time was oh this is really good books out there why do I just want to put out another one yeah um, and and Dave said hey, don't don't write it for anyone else write it for your future grandkids mm-hmm. and I remember thinking wow you're so right because I I unfortunately, you know, was quite young when all my grandparents died, and uh, I, I don't really know much about their lives, to mm. be honest. Um, 
and they led amazing lives, as most of our grandparents did, you know, and, and they didn't write anything down. So I thought, well, that's, you know, I really do need to do this with my future grand, grandkids. And, um, and so I started doing that, and I just really loved it. I really loved the books, and, and, and turns out so did people who read them, yeah. and, and that inspired me to carry on. And, and I've actually, I'm going to take that process to the next level. I, I've actually started back writing um, uh, three books, uh, which brought me up to the moment I sold my business. All right. Um, and they're going to be into decades. So my first decade, not to 10, will be my childhood years in Africa. Uh, mm-hmm. 10 to 20 was going to be my school years and, and, and what I got up to at school. Then 20 to 30 was photography years. Mm. Um, and that's going to be literally, and I'm actually going to write the book as letters to my grandkids. So, oh, they, wow. so they're going to be dear grandkids. You know, mm. I'm just writing these books for you. This is what I got up to. And <laughs> hopefully there'll be some words of wisdom for them in there somewhere. Mm. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and that's why I write. That's why I write. I, mm. To have the memories there and, and hopefully inspire a few people and, and yeah. again for my future grandkids to read yeah amazing looking forward to to, to those books uh, coming out uh, but sure now for those that have, have, have ever read one of your books I'm pretty sure they can cannot help but get the feeling that why don't I also just you know quit my job do what Sean does and, and live my life from one adventure to the next then Monday rolls around and it's back to work and those feelings subside and we, we get drowned out by the by the monotony of of each day of doing more or less the same thing why do you believe so many people actually don't take this daunting leap like you did what getting up each morning to go and do something does is gives you purpose in life mm-hmm. you know um and and this is why i mean on the outset yes i get to go and, and do all these travels and everything but actually i i kind of i have a job i i have to train i get up and i spend a, mm. a lot of time by myself and uh cold wet and miserable and, and all these sort of things <laughs> and 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 that's like i'm kind of like a non-professional sportsman i guess and mm-hmm. that that is and don't get me wrong, it's the best job in the world, and I love it. But it wouldn't be for everyone, you know, it wouldn't be for everyone. And, and what I am wary of, which is why I'm a not, not an advocate for everyone to quit their job, if, if you're doing something that you hate mm-hmm. purely to afford a big house and a nice car, I don't see the point in that at all, okay. a- absolutely not. Mm. Um, so, but everyone just to quit everything, again, I think you'll you'll, you'll be, be you'll probably land up more depressed. Honestly, mm. that, that year where, where I didn't get work, um, I was so depressed because I just had no focus and that sort of thing, you know. And um, so, I, I think yeah, I'm, I'm not a big believer in that. So, it's, but if you, if, the reason I think people aren't just quitting their jobs is probably for that reason. I think they mm. realise, well, it's all very well. Okay, I'm going to go travelling and you do that for a year mm. and then. It, you, you'll soon get bored of it, I think, if you don't have a real purpose. And mm. I think the people who've made the most of it and, and carry on doing it will have a purpose within that, you know, mm. whether it's writing a book, whether it's journalism, whether it's like me trying to break records and raise money for charity and, mm. and that, or, or, or being an author or, um, or that sort of thing, or, or products. A lot of people get into products, you know, and, mm. and a friend of mine, you know, did some, a lot of cycling and got into bike building uh, and, and makes bike frames and, oh, wow. and, and they're amazing and, and that sort of stuff. And uh, I think just the idea of just being a wandering nomad is not for everyone. Yeah. I, 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 I certainly couldn't do it <laughs> <laughs> and that sort of thing. And, yeah. and also, I, you know, I quite like the idea of, 
you know, you don't you don't have to quit your job. And Alistair Humphreys is, is is the pioneer of this whole. You know, you you work from nine to five, but you're there from five to nine, mm. um, to, which is a big chunk of the day. And actually, if you're lucky enough to divide your day into three eight-hour segments, eight hours work, eight hours sleep, and eight hours play, mm-hmm. again, that's quite a healthy way of living your life rather than and just packing it all in. Because yes, some people definitely do need to do that in life because mm. they're really missing out and and they're, and they're they're miserable and they're not really doing anyone any favors, carrying on doing what they're doing. Mm. Um, but for a large percentage of people, you know, having the, the security of, of a job, which they may not absolutely love, mm-hmm. but they may not hate it. Uh, and, and it allows them the security and the brain space to, to have amazing weekends and, and, you know, camping in the week, you know, from, your, from, nine till, from five till nine even. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can get just as much out of life, if not more, by doing it that way. So mm-hmm. each to their own, you know, each to their own. And uh, I, I certainly, while I'm doing these adventures now, I, I would still get back into employment if I found something that really challenged me. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not about quitting the nine to five thing. All right. But I, I am. I am a big fan of quitting mm-hmm. the nine to five that you're doing purely because you feel you have to, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, um, and you hate and yeah. and you feel depressed by because it, it, there are loads of jobs. If anything, now there are more jobs out there that we can do mm-hmm. uh, that are inspiring than ever you know yeah. there's loads of new jobs out there with social media loads of people become self-employed and um, and and doing you know the crafts are coming back massively <laughs> the arts and crafts market it's mm-hmm. amazing to see people on Instagram doing you know building these amazing things and, mm-hmm. and designing things like that so yeah, um, yeah it's uh, yeah definitely First up, don't just quit your job unless you really hate it. Yeah. Uh, try and make the most of the other 16 hours in the day. I think that would be my, my tip to start off with. <laughs> great, great advice there. Well, Sean, let's uh, end it off now by asking you the question we're all probably dying to know, and you touched on it. What's, what's the next big adventure out there for you, uh, the, the one that's coming up very next? Have you thought about it? Is it set down? Like you mentioned, you, it might be cycling-related, or, or perhaps you maybe want to do something out do you have an idea what it's going to be? And also, more importantly, what are some of the dreams and aspirations that you have uh, that you wish to accomplish at some point? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I don't know what it is. Okay. I have a little black book of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them are top secret. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, I, no, I, I'm, I'm enjoying not rushing into the next thing. Yeah. For the last five or six years, I have felt that I needed to rush into to the next thing mm-hmm. um, because I kind of thought, well, I, I need to ride this wave and all this sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. actually, you don't. If you if you enjoy what you do um, and, you know, taking a break sometimes gives you a better, clearer understanding of, of why you do these things mm-hmm. and, and that sort of stuff. So this summer, uh, I'm getting married and I'm going on honeymoon oh, and nice. that's, what I, yeah. that's going to be my next adventure. Mm. Uh, when I get back from that, I'm going to write the book about Europe mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be a slightly different book to all my other books uh, so watch this space I'm really looking mm-hmm. forward to that um, and then and then no doubt I will get itchy feet <laughs> and think of something else so watch mm-hmm. this space and um, yeah I, I just I want to think quite carefully about the next one because mm-hmm. my focus has been quite obvious in the last couple of years the three S mm-hmm. I've now completed those Um uh, so yeah, I'm gonna think quite quite carefully of of what's the next 
way I want to push my body. Mm. Whether it's something shorter and more intense, maybe some a bit more speed work, mm-hmm. that, that could excite me a, a little bit. Or maybe even longer. There is a, something that's 100 days long mm-hmm. um, that I am thinking about. I, I won't say what mm-hmm. it is, but again, going back to the longer stuff, maybe mm-hmm. that, that could be it. But uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I, after after my honeymoon, where mm-hmm. which obviously will not be on a beach somewhere, um, <laughs> <laughs> but whatever we do, uh-huh. uh, I'll probably have an idea on that and then uh, get back to you on that one. Yeah. Well, Sean, you are the proof that you don't need to be a superhuman to become an extreme adventurer. You just need the willpower to to make that change in your life, to take that leap. Don't hold back. And if possible, have somebody on the side there who has one pound to buy your business from you. Thank you for giving up some of your time to share your amazing stories with us on the Hard as Nails podcast. And we are looking forward to seeing what that next big and crazy challenge is going to be. Wonderful.